question that Matthias was wrestling with is a question that's an interesting one that I think all of us have to wrestle with at one time or another. And for him, it was this reality of everything that he's experienced, everything that he's seen, everything that he's encountered, all that he's come to understand of who Jesus is. And his question is, now what? Now what do I do? How do I respond? Where do I go from here? You know, we live in a a culture that seems to always want more, more of everything. No matter how much we have, we seem to always long for more. We have this tendency, we have this urge, we have this natural way about us that we just kind of long for more, this nature within us. It's the chemical reality that fuels addictions. It's the thing that drives our culture towards consumerism and materialism. But it's also the very thing that stirs within us and drives us to seek after God and to understand meaning and purpose in life and who he is and what it means. We want more. But do we really know what we need more of? What more do we really need? We've been in a series in Romans, if you've been part of this congregation, and we've been looking Uh, in the last week at Romans chapter 8 through this Passion Week, starting with Palm Sunday a week ago, as we looked at Romans 8 verse 1 and where Paul now takes a very radical turn from where he's been in the first seven chapters of Romans, and now in verse 1 of Romans, he takes this turn and he says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And he says, Jesus did what the law couldn't do. He came in the flesh, he lived among us, he died for us, he gave us right standing with God, he declared us innocent, his adopted daughters and sons of the king, with new identity, with new rights, and no condemnation, no condemnation. You know, the language that's used here is the language of parenting, as it talks about being able to call out Abba Father and how we are adopted in as sons and daughters and how there is no condemnation. And if you've had kids and you've been in that parenting role, you know that sometimes as parents we think, well, our, our kids are the cutest ones, right? They're really innocent ones and we have lots of grace for them. But if you think that's something, just go to grandparenting. Now there's really no condemnation, right? It's freedom. There's no bedtime, there's no curfew, there's no rules, there's lots of candy. I mean, it's just like, no, you can do no wrong, right? So as we look at this text, maybe it's good to think of grandparenting and how there is no condemnation. And in a time when so many people struggle with condemnation and struggle with guilt and shame and all that you carry forward in that and how God says, no, 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 there is nothing to carry. There is no condemnation. You don't have to carry that. What more do we need? On Good Friday, we talked about groaning just a couple of days ago, and we talked about this fact in Romans 8 that also talks about how humanity groans and creation groans. And there is this groaning that happens as we live in the now and the not yet. In terms of God's kingdom and God's promises, how we experience these in the now, but there is also the not yet, what we anticipate and we wait for with very eager hope. 
The promise of sharing in God's glory, but also the promise and the invitation to share in Christ's suffering. And how we worship a God and how God is a God who has our eternal good in perspective, has our good in the eternal perspective. And we often like to understand our good in the immediate circumstances right now, in the here and now, and God has a view of eternity, and he truly is a good, good father. And how God has chosen you, God has called you, God has given you right standing, God has invited you to share his glory. And we're called to embrace this inheritance as daughters and sons of the king in right standing with God. And he's given us his Holy Spirit as the seal of adoption. And how it says in Romans how this very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and how this same spirit that overwhelmed the grave and overcame death is the same spirit that lives within you and lives within me as we follow after Jesus. This same spirit that groans and prays on our behalf when we don't know how to pray. And then we come to Resurrection Sunday. And then we come to these last verses in Romans chapter 8 that are this declaration of the resurrection and who he is and what it means. And in verse 31, it says, so what do we say? What do we say about such wonderful things as these? And Paul starts to ask a series of rhetorical questions as he's trying to persuade and he's trying to say, do you believe? And if you believe, what does it mean? What are the implications? Will you actually allow this truth to transform you and change you and move you? And he says, what should we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Isn't that an incredible picture of truth? Earlier in verse 24, we saw how the Holy Spirit groans and intercedes on our behalf, and here we see how Jesus the Son intercedes and pleads for us before the Father. And two members of the Trinity of the Son and the Spirit pleading before the Father On our behalf, what more do we need? God is on our side. The opposition doesn't matter. Christ defends us, intercedes for us, groans and pleads for us. And then in verse 35, he says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? He's saying in light of all this, in light of all this truth, is there anything, actually, that can separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victories is ours through Christ who loved us. Christ defends us. Christ loves us. Enters into relationship with us. It says when life gets hard and causes groaning that it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. And Paul's teaching this not in the abstract. He's not just some theoretical teaching that he's doing. If you go into 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, you can see his own personal testimony and his own account of these very things that he's talking about here in Romans. About the hardships and the beatings and the danger of his life and all the things that he experienced in his personal journey with God. And he's saying that even in the midst of that, God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. God still loves you. But that suffering of one form or another is natural and to be expected. And he's saying that God has paid a high price for your salvation. He paid it with his own son. He's not going to leave you now. Then in verse 38 and 39, he says, and I am convinced. I love that. After all this, Paul says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fear for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Amen. What more do we need? As you face challenges, you need to know that God still loves you. As you lose your health, your job, your security, whatever it is that that may be, you need to know that God hasn't abandoned you. If you even lose your life, God is with you in the most intimate of ways. Are you convinced? What then should you fear? You know, in a world that, that always wants more, we need to ask the question, what more do we need? Romans chapter 8, it starts with this incredible truth, and it says, there is no condemnation. And at the end of Romans 8, it says, there is no separation between you and God. So I return to the question of Matthias. Question for each one of us and say, what now? How do we respond? Will I believe? And somebody asks you, well, do you believe in God? And you say, yeah, I believe in God. And James would say, well, good for you. So do the demons, and they shudder. Maybe a more important question is, will you follow? Will you follow Jesus, regardless of the cost, even with your doubts, even with your fears, even with the questions that you may have, will you follow? Are you all in? You know, when I got married some 27 plus years ago to Lisa, it wasn't like all of the questions were suddenly answered. Like all the doubts and fears and apprehensions and wonderings were now gone. But eventually what happens is that the love for this woman and her love for me just kind of overwhelms all those things and they fade to the back. I was all in. I still had questions, lots of questions. You know, how was I going to get past the student loans that I had? How was I going to, you know, pay for those kinds of things and provide for this beautiful young bride of mine? How was I going to get past my father-in-law? I mean, there's still questions, but you realize, no, 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 it's all in. The truth of what you know overwhelms what you wonder about. I think it's similar with our faith in many ways. We come to a point where, We have questions still. We might have doubts. We might wonder, and we might go, I don't really understand that. But eventually those fade to the back and they diminish as you encounter the living Christ and you realize who he is and what he has done. 
and we accept what he has done for us. We still have those doubts and we have those questions, but we, we kind of have to ask, which sets of questions do we want to be left with? Do we want to be left with the questions that are there if we sort of declare in defiance, no, there is no God, there is no resurrection, there is no life after this. Jesus wasn't real and the resurrection didn't happen. Are you okay with the questions that are left by that stance? I prefer the questions that are left and remain for me as I take God at his word. And as I see what he has done through scripture as I experience the Holy Spirit in my life and the power and the reality of the resurrection and the love of God that never leaves us, recognizing that there still is mystery, but it causes me to worship by faith. So what more do you need? How will you respond? Will you follow Jesus? To conclude, I want to just take a few moments to talk a little bit about death in the face of resurrection power. And Chandra, if you would come up, I have a question I want to ask for Chandra and have her respond to. And as we face death in different ways, like for instance, this Tuesday at 11 is Norm Jansen's funeral. And it's interesting to look at death in the time of Resurrection Sunday and the time of Easter. And uh, Chandra has been walking uh, an interesting journey in the last month with a young woman named Caitlin Craig, who many of you know and others of you have maybe heard about and know a bit of her story. But Chandra has been walking uh, through this season. Caitlin, a young 23-year-old girl who was diagnosed with cancer very aggressively at the end of February. And uh, she was dying. Chandra, you walked with her and last week did her funeral. And I know have been walking with lots of other people, her family, and uh, even just processing yourself. And that's, I guess, the question that I wanted to ask you in light of what I've just shared here this morning, in light of what Romans 8 says, in light of this Resurrection Sunday, you've been walking also this journey of death in that. And just share for a little bit before you pray with us, just of what God has been teaching you in this journey. Thanks. Um, yeah, so as Bruce said, um, I've, I've spent the last six weeks journeying with a family as they've lost a daughter and uh, with a young woman as she's lost her life. To cancer. She passed away last week um, at this time, actually, last Sunday morning. And um, when you spend time with a young person who's so full of life as they lose their life, you can't uh, help but come face to face with the questions and the doubts and the, and the uh, uncertainties that you may have. But yet also to just see the glory of the resurrected Christ that she knew in that process. Um, I've learned a lot through these last several weeks, and I feel like there's a few things that God has really been highlighting to me as I've just begun to process. And that is um, that our faith needs to be in the character of who God is. Um, Through this time, you know, I think that I realize we so often put faith in the outcomes that we perceive are best or the outcomes that we desire, and that when those outcomes don't uh, happen, our faith wavers because it's shallow. But when we put our faith in the character of who God is, despite the way the outcomes play out, even if they're different than when, what we would want, what we would desire, um, our roots sink deeply into who God is. God is uh, a healer and a redeemer. And, and ultimately, he, he heals us from all sin and all death through eternity in heaven. Um, I've also come to, to realize the, the faith that I need to have in the process of prayer 
Um, I'm a fairly like logistical, practical person. And so in these situations, as we prayed, uh, you know, I would be with the doctors every day as they continued to give us bad news and I would watch her body deteriorate. And yet daily she asked us to pray for a miracle that God would glorify himself through completely healing her body and removing all cancer, that she would walk out of that hospital. And daily my faith was tested to pray these prayers alongside the, the truth that I know that was, knew that was happening. And so here in one hand, I had this desire to just pray that God would lead her home comfortably and peacefully and that she would be healed through death um, and then through real life in heaven with him. But then I also had this knowledge of the obedience that I, I had to have to what scripture said to pray, pray for healing. And so we continued to do that. And I think I came to this place where I realized it wasn't either of those prayers that was right, but it was both, hand in hand. To have faith that we have a God who can heal physically, but also one who heals for eternity. And I also just came to realize how obsessed we are with living and with the physical right now and how much we just want all the time these things here and now to be fixed. But when we put our trust in, in a life that is truly life, that spans our physical life here on earth, um, it, it changes us. It changes the way we pray or worship along someone who is, is dying and going to, to meet Jesus. Um, it changes us. Last, I think, and most importantly, I was so impacted by the resurrection life of Jesus that I saw in the body of believers that is the church. Uh, as this young woman battled for a very short time, um, people came alongside her. Our young adult community and youth community came alongside her in such powerful ways. Um, she was able to leave the hospital for a short time, and a family who didn't even know her opened their home to her and her family from Alberta so that they could be together. Uh, our youth and young adult would, would take time coming to sit with her and give her meals and uh, force her to eat sometimes, to, to pray with her. Um, even a few days before her death, some of our grade 12 students felt called to come and pray for healing over her. And so they came to the hospital to do that. Um, watching as her community cared for her and carried her to her eternity um, restored so much of my faith in the resurrected life that we can live here on earth. So yeah, at the end of this process, I do have way more questions than answers. You know, why a person so young had to die so soon why the cancer had to be so aggressive, the pain had to be so much. But I think as I've, I've come to the foot of the cross with all of these, this heaviness, I've come to realize that my need for answers is less when I put my faith in who God is um, and when I know that he is ultimately a healer. So I'm, I'm thankful for the ways that I've learned uh, and grown and will continue to have my life changed because of this time that I got to spend with her. Thanks, Jen. So in light of all that, I just asked Chandra if she would pray. And so would you just pray with us as a prayer of response for all that we've heard here this morning? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you are good and that you are here. Thank you that you are our life and that you offer us life. Thank you that in you we live and move and have our being and that in you all things hold together. We thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. And we thank you, God, that ultimately who you are and what you are doing um, is so much more than we can see. And I just ask, Lord, that you would increase our faith to trust that you are at work, even when circumstances are hard, or there's pain or sorrow or death. God, that we would believe that you are life. Jesus, thank you for what you did for us on the cross and that you rose again. 
Thank you that you give us access to resurrection life that we can live here on earth. Thank you that the life you live modeled a life that that we can live um, to show others your love. We just pray, Lord, that as we um, just acknowledge the forgiveness of our sins and the freedom that we have to be obedient to you, that you would just draw us into the work that you are already doing in our families, in our workplaces, our schools, our, our city, our neighborhoods, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are amongst us, that you are comforter and that you are transformer. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you draw us to know you more. And I just pray that you would continue to awaken that resurrection life within us. Um, For those who are here who may not be followers of Jesus or are still curious or questioning, Holy Spirit, would you just stir? Would you just give them a hunger that can only be satisfied by you? Would you draw them in? And for those of us who are here, Lord, who have followed you for a long time, would you just renew our faith in your resurrection power in our life? Give us boldness to pray in new ways and serve in new ways and speak life in new ways. And that all who would um, hear our words or, or see our actions would know that you are the reason that we do those things. So we thank you for life that is truly life. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.